Hi guys, how you doing? Hey Ross. Good, Ross. You guys good? Okay, good. Excellent. There's a spot for me in the Minion tomorrow. Yeah, there is. 7.15? 7.15, yeah. Okay, that's And uh, Mazel Tov. Oh, yeah, thanks, man. Thank you, you, keep the, you. Do you keep the second half of the, of the sphere? Yeah, I do, actually. Well, look, I was pleased to hear that you thought your wedding video was still joyous that you couldn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, when I think I had something, I had a cute shine there years ago. I had someone to comment. Somebody asked if they could watch their wedding video during the three weeks. I said, yours, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm going to mute and see if I can get my Bluetooth working. Okay. Okay, I think we should, uh, we'll kick off, eh, guys. I don't think too many others will join. Okay. All right, are we good? Are you guys all on? Yeah, you guys all on mute. All right, let's see if we can uh, cover some um, a basic uh, concept within the discussion of Sfirat Omer, which will have some possibly have some bearing on the the nusach of um, whether one says Ba Omer or La Omer at the end of a Sfirat account. So last week, oh, I can't remember when. Um, we uh, we essentially discussed a a din a minag uh, of the of the gaon and yeah the gaon of Vilna has a an insistence on the nusach so as we all know if you look in the shulchan aruch and the ramah you'll see that there are one of two options that um, we uh, when we count sfira so. The Shulchan Aruch and Orachayim in Siman Tav Peitet brings two nuschot. Um, you can either say Asher Kishan Mitzvah Tanu Al Sfirat Omer, then you count the number and you say Ayom, for example, tonight Ayom Arbaim Yom, and then you say how many days it is, how many weeks it is, how many days it is, and you end off Ba Omer or La Omer. So the Gaon insists on saying Ba Omer and not La Omer. The Shulchan Aruch is Baomer, the Ramah is Laomer. So, having this in mind, let's try and appreciate a way of understanding what would be the difference of, uh, of saying Baomer or Laomer. And I'm not sure if we can solve it in, um, in terms of the, in terms of the Gaon's idea. It's not explicit exactly why uh, the Gaon says what he says. So we can just, uh, we can theorize, etc. Um, there are those who say that um, if one looks in the Taz, the Taz's commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, um, he, he brings the following idea. He says, look, when you're going to say, um, when you're going to say, Yom Eximant La Omer, the, the Lamed refers to the Korban Omer that was brought. Now, when you, uh, when you count the first day, Yom Yom Echad, La Omer, think about what's happening. You, you're in the second night of Pesach, 
And it's true, it's the 16th day of um, Nisan, but the Korban hasn't been brought until the following day. So it's interesting, can you say La Omer and still be accurate? And this is the comment of, uh, of the Taz, that the first night you can't say La Omer. So you have to say Ba Omer. In Baumer meaning in the count, in the count of the days stretching from Pesach to Shavuot. And once you start off with Baomer, then uh, you would you would keep it going the whole way. And then Lag Baomer would fit in very easily. So between the first night and Lag Baomer, you sort of get a, a support for the Minag that says count with the base Baomer. At the same time, you have uh, maybe possibly even most say that uh, you should do. La uh, Omer. The question is why. So um, let's set up what we uh, what we probably have some good general knowledge on, and that is the debate that exists between the Rishonim. Uh, possibly can be traced back to the Gemara as well as to how one interprets the nature of the mitzvah that we have in front of us, uh, the mitzvah of Svirat Omer. Uh, is the mitzvah a din doraita or din rabbanan? Uh, in our days, Okay, so that's the that's a, a, it'll be a classic approach, and we could probably say that once we understand the argument better, that maybe Baomer and Laomer would be taking the two different sides of this particular argument. So again, um, let's just uh, quickly summarize, you know, just off on the introduction, and that is as follows: that our simple understanding is that when a person says Baomer you're basically saying that there's a period of time called the time of the counting of the Omer that stretches between Pesach and, and Shavuot. That's called the, the, the Zman of the Omer. And you're saying tonight is, or today is, you know, day 40 in that time. You know, in the, in the time between Pesach and Shavuot, Ba Omer, in the count of the, of the Omer. If you would say La Omer with a Lamed, then you would essentially say this is a count of a day to the bringing of the Korban Omer, which started at the beginning of well, the second day of Pesach. La Omer to the Korban Omer. So Ba Omer to the Zmana Omer and La Omer to La Hakravat uh, Korban Omer, to the bringing of the Korban Omer. Now this this is... Uh, I guess a basic way to understand what the difference between the ban and the la is. Now, if we look at the if we look at the pasuk itself, uh, or the psukim, should we say more accurately, in Seif of Ayikra Pashat Emor, so Perak Gimel, we find the following. This is well known to us. You shall count for yourselves from the day after. Uh, the rest day, Yontif, from the day upon which you bring uh, the wave offering of the Omer, you'll have seven uh, complete weeks. That Pasuk tells us that there's a mitzvah, you've got to count, uh, such that you count Sheva Shabbatot Tamimotiena. Complete weeks, seven complete weeks. Followed by the next pasuk, which says, Ad mimochorata shabbata shviit, tisperu chamishim yom, until 
the day after the seventh week, you're going to count. That'll be 50 days. We're into the day 50, and you shall offer you offer a korban to Hashem. So we have two psukim that essentially point to a mitzvah called Sfirata Omer. Now these two psukim, we want to know um, how dependent are they one on the other. So this is what the famous argument is. You've got a count from the day of the Pesach. From the day after you bring the Korban Omer, seven complete weeks. From this Pasuk, it sounds that the counting has got to be in such a way, it's the day after you bring the, the Korban Omer, or from the day that you bring the Korban Omer. Uh, it sounds like there's quite a connection between the actual Korban Omer, the offering of the barley, and the count of the Omer. And that's really the question. How, how intrinsic is the connection between the Korban, the bringing of the sacrifice, and the counting? Uh, or if we, we can learn in one of two ways. We could say that two separate mitzvahs uh, have really nothing to do with each other. One is a sacrifice, a Korban Omer, and the one is a count of the Omer. And the only reason the Pasuk brings them together is because they, they have the same starting date. They both start on the 16th of Nisan. But really they are two separate mitzvot unrelated one to the other. But if you say they are intrinsically connected, then we would ask ourselves if the, if the ability to bring the Korban is not there because the Beit Amida has been destroyed. Um, we all know then that you would not be able to count. If the two are connected and the one does, the drops out, then the other one is also affected. And this is a machloket well known among the Rishonim. Um, it's a machloket based on a on a sugya and a Gemara Masechet Menachot and And there, the Gemara tells us what seems to be a, uh, a this particular argument played out. So the Gemara there says, "Gufa Amar it's a mitzvah to count weeks and it's a mitzvah to count uh, days. Rabbanam Devei say, Manu Manu It's true, we count both days and we count weeks. And Amaymar says, You know, I don't count uh, the weeks, I just count, I, I just count the days. When asked why, Amari says, In our time, the Beit HaMikdash is destroyed. There's an inability to bring the Korban Omer. The inability to bring the Korban Omer affects the ability to count the Omer. If I can't bring the, the sacrifice, I have no mitzvah to count. Um, but we don't want to let the mitzvah become forgotten. So we'll count, but we'll count it as a Zeichel HaMikdash as commemorating what was. And since I'm only doing a commemoration of sorts, I'm not going to do a full commemoration, I'll do a partial commemoration. And therefore, all I need to do is count one component of the full mitzvah. Possibly I want to show that the mitzvah is incomplete. It's only rabbinic. It's only a zeicher, a commemoration. And therefore, says Amaymar, in, in temple times, I used to count both days and weeks. Now I'm going to count only the, the days and, uh, and, not, and not the weeks. That's one way of interpreting 
what the Gemara is saying over here. And so uh, we find in the writings of, uh, of the Rambam, his interpretation of this Gemara. Uh, the Rambam basically tells us uh, the halachas of Sfirat Omer are in, a, are in a bit of a strange place in the Rambam's uh, writings. While he's telling us all the laws of the various korbanot, tmedinu, musafin, so there he, uh, in Perek Zayin, he, um, he throws in the last few halachot of uh, the mitzvah to count uh, Svirat Omer. And so what does the Rambam say? The Rambam says, Mitzvah Asayi Dispar Sheva Shabbatot Tumimot Miyom Havahat HaOmer Shneemar Usfatim Nachem Mimochrat HaShabbat Sheva Shabbatot. It's a mitzvah to count seven complete weeks from the time that you bring the Omer. Umitzvah Limnot Hayamim, and looking at the second pasuk that follows, it's a mitzvah to count the days, Ima HaShavuot with the weeks, Shneemar Tisperuch HaMishim Yom. Um, he then qualifies two halachot later. Mitzvah zu, this mitzvah of counting the Omer, I'll call Ishmi Israel, is a time-bound mitzvah, and therefore only men are obligated, and women are not obligated um, to count Sirat Omer. If they want to, they can, but they're not obligated to. The Tarek Levareich Bechol Laila, you have to make a brocha, and it gives you the brocha. Um, and he basically tells us that this mitzvah applies today in its full force. And therefore the Rambam has to take a side in this machloket in the Gemara as to who he paskans like. The Veir of Ashi who uh, say that you count both days and weeks or a Maymar where you only count the days. And the Rambam interprets as follows. When Ravashi, or, or Devei means the yeshiva of, uh, of Ravashi, when the, when the Rabbonim in the yeshiva, Paskin de Zalocha, they count both days and weeks, interprets the Rambam that if you're counting days and weeks, it means it's uh, a Torah mitzvah that has to be fulfilled in its fullest form. And therefore, Devei Ravashi, or Paskining that the, the din of Svirat Omer, is a din do writer. As opposed to Amaymar, who's only counting a partial count, he's only counting the days and not counting the weeks. Zaych uh, Mitashu, meaning that I'm only counting a partial count because, in my opinion, says Amaymar, the mitzvah of counting today is only rabbinic in nature because it's so intrinsically connected to the offering and the offering can't be brought because the Beit Amidash is destroyed and therefore we only do it as a rabbinic, uh, a rabbinic mitzvah. And in this machloket between the Vairav Ashi, who holds that counting is a Torah-mandated mitzvah, versus the opinion of Amaymar, who in the Rambam's interpretation is saying that the mitzvah, or, the mitzvah of counting is only rabbinic. The Rambam takes aside and passes like Ravashi that the mitzvah to count in today's day and age is Torah-mandated, and not like Amaymar, who, uh, who thinks it's only rabbinically mandated. So yeah, the Rambam has interpreted the Gomorrah in one particular direction. As far as the Rambam is concerned, the mitzvah of Svirat Omer, of counting, is unrelated to the mitzvah of bringing the Omer. They only share a common denominator um, of when both separate mitzvot take place. They both happen to take place on the 16th of, of Nisan.
that is the, the Rambam's uh, opinion. Uh, according to the Balea Tosfot, however, we find that they interpret the Gemara uh, very differently. They are in uh, no doubt that both Devayra of Ashi and Amaymar are b- both hold that the mitzvah is clearly rabbinic in nature. The only question as far as the Balea Tosfot are concerned that is being argued out here, if they both say it's rabbinic, why does Rav Ashi count the days and the weeks and Amaymar only count the days? The Balea Tosfot say, no question, they both hold it's rabbinic. The question is, what kind of a zeicher, what kind of a commemoration do you need or do you want to have? Um, do you want a full recognition, a full commemoration, exactly what they used to do in the Beit HaMikdash? Like Ravashi, or should one just have a partial zeicher, a partial commemoration, only count one component, um, because that's maybe all you need, it's enough just to have a partial component. Or maybe you could even say that uh, even even if it's, um, you know, even if it's, you don't only want a partial, you want to have one to show that the mitzvah is incomplete, it's only rabbinic. So um, that's the interpretation of the Balea Tosfot. They think, again, that the mitzvah, the two mitzvot are intrinsically connected. The korban falls, so does the counting. So now we have these two opinions. Uh, the Rambam and Tosfot are debating how to read the Gemara in Masechet Menachot and Samach Rav, and they're debating the argument between Ravashi and Amaymar. What does it mean that Amaymar only counts, does he only count the, he only counts the days, he doesn't count the weeks. That partial counting, what does that signify? The Rambam says it signifies that he holds the mitzvahs rabbinic. And Avashi, a full counting, signifies the mitzvahs, the Torah mitzvah. And the Balat Tosfos say, no, they both hold it rabbinic. The Varavashi just want a full counting, a full remembrance, a full commemoration, exactly what they used to do, even though it's rabbinic. And I may my partial counting because I want to demonstrate it's, uh, it's incomplete. Having these two arguments in front of us now, we can possibly now go and uh, read it back into uh, this may be an underlying way of, of appreciating the difference between Baomer and Laomer. In the beginning of our discussion, we said Baomer means that you are counting in a specific time between Pesach and Shavuot, X amount of days in this time, Baomer. Or you say Laomer, Laomer means I'm counting such that there are so many days from the time that I brought the Korban Omer. So it's quite, uh, it's quite possible to suggest that this whole argument gave rise to these two different customs. For those who hold that the Sphira uh, in our day and age is only rabbinic because the counting is stapled to the Korban Omer, so it would make sense for you to say, today is X amount of days, La Omer, back to the Korban Omer. So if you say La Omer, maybe it's because you hold that the mitzvah is only rabbinic. And if you say Ba Omer, um, it's more than likely that you are saying that there's no real intrinsic relationship between the Korban and the, and the counting. And therefore, I want to emphasize in my brocha, I'm counting X amount of days in the time period from Pesach to Shavuot, Ba'omer, going to do with the Korban. And, uh, and therefore, that, that's quite possible a way to explain the difference between, between the two, uh, two Nusrawats.
So this is, um, yep, yeah, this is uh, this is a possible explanation. What's interesting is, is that Rasulovaychik and his uncle, the Grizz, the Velvo Solovaychik, they had, uh, they both more or less developed their own kind of approach to this problem uh, with a slight new, a difference in nuance. So the Grizz, that's Velvo Solovaychik, who lived in Yerushalayim, um, he, uh, he would count, make the brocha, and then he would count Hayom X amount of days, La Omer, and then he'd quickly, in his, in, quietly he would say, Hayom X amount of days, La Omer, then quietly he would say, Ba Omer. He would just add it in, almost like a, an, an afterthought, to make sure that he got the brocha, and he covered himself by saying both. Um, his nephew, the Rasulavashik that we uh, um, often quote, um, yeah, Rasulavashik did a, a slightly different thing. He flipped it around. He said, Hayom X amount of days first, Ba'omer, and then he would count again, a full counting, Hayom X amount of days, La'omer. And it's an interesting question as to whether, you know, how to understand what he was doing is, you know, is the second repetition of the count really doing anything, because you've already been Yotzei the Mitzvah the first time you did it. The Mishnah Bura is clear that if a person leaves out the word Ba'omer or La'omer, it doesn't really affect um, him being Yotzei the Mitzvah. So even if you went Ayom, Arba'im, Yom, you know, like tonight, and you said today is, uh, is day 40, and it's, uh, it's five weeks and five days, and you just stop there, you didn't say Ba'omer or La'omer, you still be Yotzei. The question of La'omer, Ba'omer is like a nice Hebrew nuance as to, as to how to say it. So, um, so Rasulabaitik was going to do it, was going to do both. So he does this uh, interesting story. He first starts off uh, Ba'omer and then La'omer. Now, what's his reasoning behind starting with Ba'omer first? So yeah. He, uh, he, he, gives, uh, he gives us the following to contemplate. Um, if one looks in the Siddur at the count of the Omer, one, one finds as follows, that the Nusach of uh, Svirat Omer is preceded by Hinani Muchanu Muzuman Nekaya Mitzvah Svirat Omer, and many of us sing that piece um, as an introduction to the mitzvah of counting Omer, and then we make the brocha. At the end of the Svirata Omer, when we finish counting, today is X amount of days in the Omer, so then we say, Hashem should return us to the days where the Beit HaMidash is rebuilt in the service, and it's fully functional, service up and running, um, and thereby, by implication, the Korban Omer will be brought, and, um, and, and, and the redemption will have re been ushered in, in order for this to all happen. And some end of the Grah actually doesn't have that, little, that line I just said to you. He prefers just to end of um, So he has that idea of the building of the Beit Amida should come. Okay, either way, depending on what you uh, what you like to say afterwards. So you've got, you've got, uh, this is more or less the classic Nusach. The Sidra then adds a, uh, a Kabbalistic uh, edition, the Anna Bukoyach, 
the Arizal's um, way of counting the Omer and then stating which day it is in terms of Kabbalistic Svirot and uh, etc. And that all the all the all the mistakes that have been made by our misuse of all our energies should be uh, repaired by um, recalibrating our commitment to each one of these Svirot which are represented in the count of the Svirot. That's more or less the classic uh, Nusach that we have today. But just looking at it from, um, from the halakhic point of view, he has, he, has the, he has the question. When you first start off, when you say the Hinani Muhammad Muzuman, I'm now uh, charged and ready to perform the mitzvah, the mitzvah I say of counting the Omer. So yeah, Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank has a, has a whole uh, discussion about this. I was introduced uh, the, to this um, to this piece of Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank when I was a young bocher in yeshiva by uh, Moiri uh, Rav Binyamin Tavori Zatzal. He gave a shir on Svirat Omer, and um, that's the first time I heard, or you know, I was encouraged to look uh, at this particular piece of Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank. He's a chief rabbi Yerushalayim, and he uh, he asked the question. He said. If you say that piece, you're saying that you are about to fill a Torah, a positive Torah mandate and mitzvah called Svirata Omer. How come you are saying that? Uh, it must be that you, you hold like the Rambam, that it's a fully-fledged mitzvah say. But to say that when you hold like most Rishonim do, that it's a mitzvah drabanan, we paskin in the end like it's a mitzvah drabanan, why would you say that? You know, it's a kind of a weird introduction for somebody who holds that the mitzvah they're about to do is really rabbinic because you're singing, you're going, you're going this whole thing. So he, he questioned, he questioned this, uh, this nusach, whether it should be said. Most in the argument between the Rambam and the Balea Tosot, whether the mitzvah say whether the mitzvah Omer, is Manazeh is a mitzvah Saidoraita or Drabanan? We we end up taking a side, and most most Rishonim Achronim Paskin it's a mitzvah Drabanan. And therefore, saying this piece is really saying you hold it's mitzvah say. The piece at the end of the Svirat Omer, Rachamanu Yachazilanu, or Yiraton Shibane Beit Hamikdash. That seems clearly to be based on the fact that uh, because the Beit Hamidash is not around, the mitzvah is only rabbinic, and we wanted to have its full-fledged, fully-charged obligation. So we say that peace, Hashem should bring back and rebuild the Beit Hamidash. So Rav Pitzvi Pesach um, points out that there's a kind of a, almost inner contradiction in our Sidurim, that you've got one, one Nusach at the beginning of the Sphira, which is uh, almost clearly telling you that you hold it's a mitzvah, a mitzvah, say, do right, and the and the piece at the end is saying that I hold it's a mitzvah, rabbanan, bismanazeh. So you really, you really, according to the three pesach, you should take a side. You should, if you hold it's a mitzvah, say, so say the first bit. If you hold it, if it's rabbinic, then then the hindi muhanim zuman, despite our master nigun is, should be exiled from the nusach, and you should only say the brocha. And then the Arachaman or the Yibane Beit Hamidrash at the at the end. To say both 
is in his mind a bit of a tightrope, a contradictory scenario which needs to be uh, dealt with. Having having this in mind, so Rav Solovetic was saying, okay, look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count the sphere with the Nusach Ba'omer first. Maybe he was in a minion where they said, uh, so for those people who introduce the mitzvah by saying that this is the opinion of the Rambam and others who say it's a mitzvah doraita. So I can't first, you know, giving credence to that opinion by Omer. But because I say at the end of the Svirah, which, which seems to say there that's the Rabbanan, I want my, my second Omer count, which is like the Hidur, I want that to be congruent with what I say afterwards. So I'll say Hayom X amount La Omer followed by Rahman. That sounds like what uh was trying to achieve. And and his uncle, the Grizz, probably was saying something that maybe is a little bit more I don't know if we can say solid. He was saying that look, everybody holds it to mitzvah, or most people hold it to mitzvah drabanan. Therefore, my primary count, my first count should be Laomer. And just in case the Rambam's right, and for the others, I'll just say Ba'omer straight away thereafter. Anyway, this remains the, the two Minagim that we know of from the Soloveitchik family. And, um, you know, we can relate it to, um, to, to this particular Nusach. Uh, those who say Ba'omer have to hold it to Doraita, those who say Laomer have to hold it to Rabbanan. And that is, uh, that's one way to, to interpret the story. Before we uh, question this way of interpreting, uh, we must add, again, Rav Tavori at the time when he gave the shiur, um, this shiur I'm sure many, many years ago, um, he, uh, he introduced us to a Rishon that uh, is not, let's say, among those uh, most studied. Uh, but this was my first introduction to Rabbeinu Yerucham, um, who, uh, to one of the, I think it was the first piece I saw in his, in his writings. At the time, the Sefer Rabbeinu Yerucham existed in a, in a facsimile. Like literally, it was, never mind non-digital print, the actual font itself was absolutely uh, challenging to, you know, to get through. But uh, Rabbeinu Yerucham had a very interesting opinion. Rabbeinu Yerucham, said like this, he questioned the Nusach of the Brocha completely. And he said that based on the Gomorrah, where in the times of the Beit HaMidash, they'd count weeks, days and weeks. So Rabban Yerucham felt that in the times of the Temple, in the times of the Beit HaMidash, they would make, they would make two Brochas. A person who counted Sfirat Omer in the times of the Beit HaMidash would do Asher Kiddushan and Mitzvah Tzvanu, not Al Sfirat Omer. He, he has a problem with his Nusach Al Sfirat Omer. What do you mean? The mitzvah is to count weeks or days. So one bracha would be to count the yamim of the Omer, and one bracha would be to count the, the weeks of the Omer. There'd be two separate brachas, as if there's a, as if there are two components at the very least, two components to to the mitzvah. You might even argue that two brachas uh, may give you the impression that there are two mitzvahs there, but this is not really accurate. You do find. Uh, uh, sometimes it's, it's, uh, it needs explanation as to why this is. But just because they're two brochas doesn't necessarily mean that they are two separate mitzvahs. Um, 
you could argue each case you you find this scenario, but it's not it's not simple that this is the, the hard hard and fast rule. You can sometimes have two brokers and really it uh, comprises one mitzvah with two components. You know, would you say that the mitzvah of tefillin, you know, you got a tefillin shalyad, tefillin shorosh, you make two, most Ashkenazim, I would say, make two brochas. Would you say that it's one mitzvah or two mitzvahs? Or tefillin shalyad and tefillin shorosh, two separate mitzvahs, or are they one mitzvah? So, um, you know, it's not, it's not clear that just because they're two brochas, that it's, uh, that it's two mitzvahs. Anyway, nevertheless, Rabbi Yerucham had this concept that uh, there, were, there were two brochas in, in, uh, in his man Migdash. And he interprets the Gemara that we quoted from Menachot in a very unique way. You know, he, he wants to interpret the, the debate between Avashi and, uh, and, and Amemar as to what bracha they made. You know, did, you know, even though it's a mitzvah drabanan, you know, do you make both brachas where you count days and weeks? It doesn't mean you count days and weeks. It means you make a bracha on the day count, day, counting of days and another bracha on the counting of weeks. And Amemar only counts days, it means he doesn't just only count days. He counts days and weeks, but he only makes a brocha on the counting of, of, the, of, of, the, of the days. This is, uh, this is his way into interpreting uh, what, what, what's going on over here. Why, why would he say that? Well, the reason he says it is because they're two separate psukim. The one pasuk says, Usfatim lachem shabbat the first pasuk tells you count weeks, and the second pasuk means count days. The two separate psukim uh, implying, in his understanding, two separate actions, two separate actions: the one counting weeks and the one uh, counting days. Now, it's interesting that according to our Maimar, we would only count one. Uh, component or with a brocha, uh, Rabbi Yerucham is stating this is what's happening. If you look at the pasuk, the first pasuk says, count seven complete weeks from the day you bring the korban omer. So in his mind, Rabbi Yerucham says a really beautiful chidush here. He says, the first pasuk tells you you count weeks, and the weeks is attached to the korban omer. So if there's no korban omer, then the counting of weeks uh, is a Zeichel Mikdash. But the counting of days, which is in the second Pasuk, has got nothing to do with the Korban Omer because it doesn't say it has. It just tells you, Ad Shabbat Seven weeks later, you know, until then, the count will end up stopping on the 50th day. Therefore, counting of the days is always, always deserves a brocha and always deserves, uh, you know, a Dindoraita. So, He's got a hybrid opinion over here, um, you know, Rabbeinu Yerucham. You know, this is, a, this is an interesting way as how to, as how to, how to see this, this argument over here, where, you, um, where, you, where you've got, you've got uh, three options. You've got three options, uh, you know, whether you, what kind of a mitzvah you have. Um, either everything's rabbinic, everything's doraita, or you possibly have a hybrid where the weeks are Drabanan and the days are, are Doraita. Now, Rabbi Yerucham's opinion might be a limutzchut, might be a way of justifying the Nusach that we have in our Sidurim. Rav Tzvi Pesach was upset with the Nusach because either you miscount 
it's a Doraita. Or you say the Arachamans at the end. You can't say both. Possibly with Rabbeinu Yerucham you could suggest that's why you say both. You say both because the mitzvah I say in the beginning is about the days and the, and the, and the mitzvah Rabbanan is, is about the weeks. So, um, that, that could refer to the day count, the counting of days. And Harachaman, which is rabbinic, that comes at the end of the, would refer to, refer to the weeks. Um, you know, that's a suggestion. Uh, the question is, is that the Nusach is a little, it's a little awkward when, it, when you think about it, because you go, I guess you do, you say that Pasuk. If you were really a Rabbani Yerucham Chosid, you'd probably leave out the Pasuk. You say, You leave out the Pasuk of Usfatim Lachem because that's about the Shabbatot, which are only Midrabanan. Anyway, so it's a little bit awkward to, to try and, and use Rabbani Yerucham to justify the, the Nusach exactly, but the idea could be there that at least in, even if the Nusach wasn't his of the preamble, but the concept of doing both at the same time is, uh, is an option. Anyway, that's just uh, by the way as to, um, as to, as to know this, this opinion of, uh, of Rabbi Yerucham as well. So we, um, so what did we say until now? We said until now that, um, these two Nuskawat, Baomer or Laomer, we wanted to try and uh, suggest that they are related to whether you hold the mitzvah of Svirat Omer is Doraita or If you hold it Doraita, you say Baomer. If you hold it's Drabanan, you say uh, Laomer. That's how, that's how we've sort of uh, we've suggested. Now, the problem with that is. The problem with that is as follows. We quoted the Shulchan Aruch, we quoted the Gra and the others that, um, that say Ba'omer. That would then mean that the Shulchan Aruch and the Gra and all the others who say Ba'omer all hold that the mitzvah of Sphira is Doraita. That's what we posited until now. But is that really true? Does the Shulchan Aruch hold that uh, the mitzvah of Sphira to Omer does does Aruch hold like the Rambam that the mitzvah of Svira is really Doraita? Uh, uh, no, no he, he, he doesn't. The Shulchan Aruch seems to concur that the mitzvah is a mitzvah Drabanan. Yet, even holding that it's a mitzvah Drabanan, he's still saying Ba'omer. So uh, we need to maybe look a little further and maybe suggest, you know, how to interpret to interpret that the Ba'omer is. Not, we need to find a way that Ba'omer doesn't necessarily uh, force you to buy into whether it's a Doraita or Rabbanan, but we have to find that way how to do that. And Ba'omer still needs to needs to make uh, needs to make sense. So, using a chiddush of Chaim Soloveitchik, we could possibly uh, demonstrate how this could work. 
that Baomer still doesn't lock you in to whether it's Doraite or Drabanan. You can still be Drabanan and you can stay Baomer. So this is a, a piece that Soloveitchik himself was very, uh, was very fond of and wrote about, and it's, uh, it's, it's quoted in a number of stories. This his particular approach over here. What, what's uh, Rebchaim what's Soloveitchik's Chidush? He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't, so to speak, talk explicitly in the way that the Chidush, uh, as I've seen it, he doesn't explicitly talk about Ba'omer or La'omer. But he talks about this argument that we've presented. We've presented an, an argument uh, which is the way that most, most classic Achronim see. This argument between two sides, two viewpoints, uh, Ramam and Tosfot, we call them, uh, going back all the way to an interpretation of the Gomorrah between Ravashi and Amaymar. And we've said as follows. We've said, how do they interpret uh, the two psukim from Pashat Emor, the mitzvah to count weeks and then to count days, all adding up to the mitzvah of Svira? What, what is its relationship to Korban Omer? If it's intrinsically related to the Omer and the Omer is no longer, then it's a rabbinic mitzvah. And if it's independent, it's a Torah mitzvah. That's how, that's how the classic um, interpretation of this, uh, of this argument is. You know, is the sphera dependent upon the, the, the korban omer or not? So the, Reb Chaim said the following. He says... I don't agree with the way that this argument has been presented. The way the argument's been presented is that whether this mitzvah is Doraita or Drabanan depends on whether you brought the Korban Omer or not. You know, whether, whether you, whether, whether you, you know, did you bring the Omer? Was the Beit Amidah standing? Therefore, did you bring the Omer? If you would have brought the Omer, then you could count Midoraita. If you didn't bring the Omer, it's only Midrabanan. You know, that, that's, that's the way it's been presented. Says of Chaim the following. He says, tell me something. What would happen one day if you were living during temple times? You were living during temple times. And there was some technical problem. I don't know. Let's say the, the barley crop, which you need, the barley crop was struck, no barley. You know, there was some honest, there's some forced circumstance. No barley was around during the days that particular year on the 16th of Nisan. And there was some, I don't know, the barley crop was, you know, hit with a magaifa of some sort. I don't know, it became problematic. So there was some forced circumstance. And one year during the temple times, you never brought the Korban Omer. Would you say, says Chaim, that that year, that you never brought the Korban Omer because the barley was non-existent. Yet the Beit Amidash is fully built and fully functional. That that year, because you never brought the Korban Omer, you mean to tell me you wouldn't, you wouldn't do Svira? That's, that's, uh, that's of Chaim's question. He thinks it's impossible. How can you say the Beit Amidash is up and running, it's all functional, but there's some technical issue with the barley that year? I'm not counting Svira. Because the Sphira is stapled to the Omer. And if you brought the Omer, then you can count. If you don't bring the Omer, you can't count. 
that that sounds to me that sounds to me not not right. And therefore, Reb Chaim basically altered the way one presents this argument and how to read the how to read it into the psukim. And and the way he alters it is like so slight. It's it's so slight a uh, you know a change in the way of presenting the argument. But the argument almost takes on a whole new dimension when you try and appreciate what Reb Chaim what Reb Chaim suggests. So he says like this. He says. According to these, according to the opinion that it holds, that the korban and the sphira are related, the psukim put them together, they related. He says he uses a, a brisker term, but it's like you know in yeshiva in yeshiva you become used to using this term. So he says like this. He says, I prefer to present the argument by stating the following. What is the mechayev? The word mechayev means what is the the force that obligates the mitzvah? You know, what actually creates the mitzvah of of the sphira? So the Torah came, comes along and tells us that there's a korban omer that needs to be brought, and then there's a count that needs to be counted. And the opinion that holds that the two are stapled together says that bringing the Omer gives rise to the mitzvah of counting the Omer. No bringing, no count. Reb Chaim then questioned that. He said, no, 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 no. You mean you didn't bring, therefore you can't count? No. What happens if you couldn't bring in the Omer, in the, in the Beit Amidah's times one year? Rather state the argument like this. It's not bringing is the Mechaev. The Hakrava of the Omer is the Mechaev of the Svira. But rather, it's the what the the way you need to present it is is not the hakrava is the mechayev, but the chovat hakrava is the mechayev. He adds in one little word, one little nuance to to sharpen his understanding of what's going on. Again, the difference between what Reb Chaim says and let's call it what classic people are saying. What what gives what force gives rise? to the obligation of the count, the force, the mechaev, the act that obligates the counting, according to classic interpretation, is the bringing of the Omer. Rebbe Chaim says it's not the bringing of the Omer. It's the obligation to bring the Omer. It's the obligation to bring the Omer. Where does the obligation come from? Where does the obli obliga obligation come from? He says, well, the obligation uh, of the Amoraim and Rishonim with the Svirat Omer in our days is Dorait or Drabanan is dependent upon a deeper concept. And that is, do you have an obligation to bring a Korban in today's day and age or not? Not did you bring it. Not did you bring it. Do you have an obligation to bring it? Where does the obligation to bring a Korban come from? The obligation comes from the sanctity of the land of Israel, or should we say more correctly, the sanctity of the Temple Mount, the sanctity of the Beit Amigdash, the sanctity of the Harabite. Now, okay, we had a whole big discussion over Shabbos on this. It's just our parasha this week, you know, Bechukotai. This is one of the main themes that comes out of this uh, whole Torah portion. 
does Eretz Israel or does the Makom Amikdash, does the place of the temple, does the Temple Mount still maintain its sanctity in face of all the debris and destruction, or does it lose its sanctity because the Beit Amikdash has been destroyed and the ground has been compromised, the sanctity of the ground has been compromised? Because the obligatory nature of all korbanot comes from the sanctity of the place of the Mikdash. So, let's try and say it over a couple of times to make it clear. Reb Chaim is asking the following, or he's saying the Chidush, he's saying a novel idea. He says, the argument of whether Sfirat Omer in today's day and age is the right or Rabbanan doesn't depend on whether you actually brought it or not. It depends on whether you have an obligation to bring it or not. Not whether you actually brought it or not. Do you have an obligation today to bring it? Where would the obligation to bring any korban come from? It would come from the sanctity of the Makom Amikdash. And the question now is a deeper question, or it's a different dimension of a question. The question you have to really ask yourself is, does the Makom Amikdash, does the Temple Mount, to, in today's day and age, have Kedusha or not? If you say the Temple Mount has Kedusha, has sanctity, then so many halachot apply to the Temple Mount. All those halachot about us visiting there and the requirement that we become Tahor and, and through the ashes of the Paraduma because we all Tamay mate and we have to go to the Mikvah to get rid of all other tumult and then, and then we have to be careful that we can't go there with shoes on and wallets and belts and sticks and can't take shortcuts and you know we've got to become we've we, we got to be very careful as to how we treat or act in the Makom Amikdash all of that applies when we think that the Makom Amikdash, the Temple Mount has sanctity and it didn't lose it even though the Temple was destroyed so says Reb Chaim the Rambam thinks that there's Kedushat Amikdash that's still inherent in the Temple Mount despite the destruction. The Rambam thinks that the, that the, that the Makom Amikdash, once Hashem Shekhinah rested there, can never ever lose its sanctity. Can never lose its sanctity. Therefore the Makom Amikdash is, has got Kedusha. That Kedusha, that sanctity is Mechayev, obligates us in Korbanot. So we have a Chiyuv, all of us have a Chiyuv today, to bring sacrifices because the Shekhinah rests on the Makom Amikdash and the sanctity of the place is intact, that sanctity is Mechayev has to bring Korbanot. Ah, but you've got a problem. You can't bring Korbanot because it's not Beit Amikdash. Ah, don't confuse, don't confuse the substance, don't confuse the uh, intrinsic idea with the technicality. The intrinsic concept is, do you have an obligation to bring Korbanot? Well, that depends. Is there sanctity in the Mikdash, Makoma Mikdash or not? Answer is, yes, there's sanctity today on the Temple Mount. So you have an obligation. Ah, so why aren't you bringing a Korban? Because it's a technical problem. I have to have a Beit Amikdash to bring a, to bring a Korban. It's a technical issue, not, a, not an intrinsic issue. You understand? That's how Reb Chaim is interpreting the story. The Balea Tosfot, you hold not like the Rambam. They say that there's no Mechaev, there's no sanctity 
on the Temple Mount today because it's destroyed. No sanctity. According to Balatosfot, there's no sanctity. You can treat the Temple Mount is like it's like it's like anywhere, it's like anywhere in Israel. It's lost its sanctity. It's got it's neutral in a sense. You don't have to worry about all issues of tumor, etc. No sanctity there. So if there's no sanctity, there's no mechayev, there's no obligation to bring korbanot. There's no chovat hakrava. There's no chiyuv to bring a korban because there's no sanctity. So the argument according to Reb Chaim is not whether, not whether you, the, the actual bringing of the korban affects whether you count Svirat Omer or not. It's not bringing. If you brought or didn't bring, that's not the issue. Because you can have a scenario where the Beit HaMikdash is up and running and you didn't bring for some technical reason. So therefore, don't state the argument as the argument is whether you brought it or not. That's not the issue whether you brought it or not. The issue is whether you have an obligation to bring. Meaning, is there still sanctity on the site of the Mikdash or not? Reb Chaim takes this consequence of this argument uh, and, and leads us to our, to our uh, to a different understanding of what's happening over here. When we ask ourselves, who holds or what do the opinions say about Svirat Omer in today's day and age? Do they hold it's Doraita mandated, Torah mandated, or rabbinic? Says Reb Chaim, the answer to whether they hold it's Torah mandated today or only rabbinic today depends on an earlier argument, an earlier concept, and that is whether there's an obligation to bring a sacrifice today. Regardless of destruction of the, well, not regardless, but regardless of whether you brought something or not. It's not the fact that you didn't bring. It's the fact that there isn't an obligation. An obligation brings you back to a deeper argument. And the prior argument is whether the land has uh, sanctity or not. And since the Rambam holds uh, in, his, uh, in the sixth uh, parak of Hilchot Beit Abichira, that the Kedusha of the Mikdash, once it was sanctified from the very beginning of our, uh, of our settlement there, or our conquest there, once, once, we, once, we, once the Shekhinah rested on the Makum Mikdash, it was Kitchen Ashaita, the sanctity was valid for its time, and from then, it continues in its Kedusha all the way through until the end of time. No matter what happens to that temple, the actual place itself has Hashem Shechina resting on it, and therefore the, the Kedusha is still there. And as a result of the Kedusha being there, we all have an obligation to bring a Korban. Obligation. Ah, we have an obligation, but we can't bring it because of a technicality. That technicality is the Beit HaMidash, we need all those things. We need, uh, we need, uh, we, we need things. And so therefore, because, there, because there's sanctity, and despite destruction, there's still obligation to bring a korban, but we have a technical problem, doesn't matter. Svirat Omer, uh, or korban Omer, and Svirat Omer, all of that is, is only an issue um, to a certain point. The chiyuv is still there. The technical issue is not, not relevant. Since we still have an obligation to bring korbanot, therefore, the, the mitzvah, therefore, the mitzvah, as far as the Rambam is concerned, because there is sanctity there, is still a mitzvah do writer. And the other Rishonim will hold that the Kedush of the Mikdash 
um, was not sanctified for all time. It only exists when the Beit HaMikdash is there. They hold, according to their opinion, that Sefirah Tomer in today's day and age is only rabbinic because the obligation to bring the Omer, which is dependent upon the sanctity of the place, has, has dissipated and, uh, and, and not there anymore. So this is the Reb Chaim's way of, uh, of, of interpreting uh, the argument slightly, which means as follows, that you can still say, I mean, now I'm putting our own interpretation on it. Um, um, you can say now that a, a person can hold that Sfirat Omer is, is still Drabanan and count Baomer, and the only reason it's rabbinic is because you hold there's no sanctity. And therefore, using this whole entire approach, you, uh, you're not locked in to saying that Baomer has to mean that I hold that the mitzvah of Sfira is Doraita. I can hold the mitzvah of Sfira is Drabanan for another reason. I can use Rabhaim's reason because there's no, there's no Kedusha in the, in the, in the Makom Amidash. Since there's no Kedusha, there's no Mechaev. There's no obligatory force on me. And therefore, when I count the Omer, I can simply count saying that it's Ba Omer in the period of time without having, having for, being forced into, into saying whether it's Rabbanan or Doraita, I can still hold Rabbanan for another reason other than what uh, was suggested in the beginning. Okay, so this is possibly a, a way to understand um, that Ba Omer may not necessarily lock you in. And therefore, you have to fall back and say, so why, did, why is their opinion to count Baomer and not Laomer? And then you're left with uh, the, the, the problem, could be a, a more simple reason, and that is, we're not arguing whether the mitzvah is Doraita Drabanan, Baomer Doraita, Laomer Drabanan. You know, we, we got a bit stuck there because there's certainly shown in Mahal that's Drabanan and still count Baomer. But rather, we're saying, look, on the first night of Sfira, you couldn't count Laomer because you hadn't brought the Korban yet. That only gets brought the next day. So you have to say Baomer. And, and then when you count Lag, it's Lag Baomer. And that sort of like parallels. These people are counting Baomer all the time. Since you start Baomer, you continue Baomer. And that's maybe a more simple reason as to why Baomer uh, was, was, was chosen this way. Laomer needs to then be explained as to why, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a pedantic reason to count. And... Um, and again, either you could say, like we wanted to, Laomer means all of us hold that the mitzvah is Drabanan. And therefore, Laomer is the most appropriate for that, uh, for that exposition of, of, of the mitzvah. Baomer was the problem in that regard because you had people who hold it's Drabanan and still say Baomer. So anyway, either way, these are some uh, opportunities to, or, you know, options to explain how the Nusach works. Uh, the Graz insistent on Baomer like the Shulchan Aruch. And um, why does it is unclear to us, or at least unclear to me at this point, uh, but these are the options. You can either give this uh, reason that I just said, the first night was, you couldn't say Laomer, you had to say Baomer according to many, and maybe the Gra held that way, and Lag was always Lag Baomer, and therefore it seems to support the fact that, he, that Lag Baomer is the right way to go. Or you could try and tie it up with a Machloket like we did, Baomer equals... Uh, Doraita, Laomer equals holding the mitzvahs Dravanan, 
you then have to go and see in the Gowan's writings, does he hold that the Mitzvah Sfira is the writer? If he does, that would be a good explanation for Baomer. And then if he doesn't, then we'd have to find a reason how you can still say Baomer and not lock yourself into saying that Sfira is, uh, is, is a, is a, is a, um, a door writer. And there we brought up Chaim's way to interpret that there's a way to, to, to state that the Kedusha of the Beit HaMikdash dissipated and therefore there's no Chiyuv HaKrava, there's no obligation to bring and therefore it's Drabanan. And that would have an impact upon how you see it, but it may not have an impact whether you say Baomer or Laomer. That's not, uh, you know, you could still say Baomer and hold it to Sfira is, uh, is Drabanan. Okay, if there are any questions, you can, uh, you're welcome to ask them or, uh, you know, write it in. But um, that's more or less an explanation uh, to the Gaon's Minak of saying Baomer. Uh, if anybody has opportunity to dig further and maybe see in the writings of the Gaon what he actually held within the world of Sphira, I actually have to do that. Um, we'd get more clarification. But either way, we left with all these opportunities. And as I mentioned, you know, uh, the Soloveitchik's in true style, looking to cover both bases, um, would count uh, Laomer and Baomer by the Grizz and by Rav Soloveitchik himself, he would count the full counting, first time Baomer, second time Laomer, and uh, that allowed him to relax. Um, okay, that, uh, that I think brings us to the end of the, the hour. I wish you all well. Um, for those who are interested in our second part in the in the series of uh, my brother's um, fantastic presentation, really is a an, really is an amazing presentation on the build-up to the historical um, unique moment of the reunification of Jerusalem. Uh, tomorrow night, eight o'clock, we sent out the link to most. I'm sure if you on the WhatsApp groups. Uh, or the emails, you'll have the link to link into the to the presentation tomorrow night, eight o'clock. Last night, he gave the backstory behind the establishment of the state. I've sent out the recording as as well. Uh, so if you wanna if you wanna see it, uh, he actually asked uh, that we shouldn't, uh, if we can, see it ourselves, but not market it too widely because he wants to try and uh, you know market it and present it to other communities and make some panosa out of it. So we all welcome to have a look at it. So I've put the link on our various WhatsApp groups on the Torah uh, RDB, I think, or the JLC News and Schmooze, whatever it is, it's all there. So you can access the sure with the video. Um, and tomorrow night, eight o'clock, is the second part, which will be the backstory behind Yom Yerushalayim, which I'm sure will be um, well received too. Uh, and then, um, I know that there was some drama last night with uh, Zoom. We all, many of us suffered with that. I, I don't know what the cause of it is. All I know is I got a text from Telstra telling us that there's Soros in Bondi. Um, I don't know, they're probably digging up some stuff, putting NBN in, who knows? It could be, uh, it could be legit, could be uh, that just NBN just doesn't work. Uh, I don't know, but whatever it is, um, we try our best that the technology will work for us. I know a lot of people that hassle with getting into my brother's uh, sure, but either way, we'll, we'll record it to make sure that Bezrat uh, Hashem, you have the ability to hear it live or, or in recording with all the videos. Um, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, Rabbi Klan has the sure continuing on Shmichat uh, Haver program with, with, uh, with, with Shabbos in Yonim. 
Uh, and then Thursday is uh, Thursday night is Yom Rishalayim. I'd normally give the parsha Thursday night, but there's such a communal event. There's so many things going on. So what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, I'll I'll, I'll give the parsha shir just a, a vote on the sedra lunchtime on Thursday, one o'clock, and record it. Again, we'll send out the Zoom link to whoever can join at one o'clock on Thursday afternoon. So we, so Parshat Bamidbar won't uh, feel left out from a drosha. And uh, so I'll have a little chidush uh, for you on the Parsha, one o'clock on Thursday, and then everyone's free, doesn't clash with any of the other shirim, neither Wednesday night or Thursday night. And, um, and then Thursday night will be Yom Rishalayim and all the various uh, presentations. Uh, you're mm. welcome to join. Mm. Okay. Good night, all. Always good to see all of you. Elena Tov. Davey. Yeah. Hi, I just saw the thing. Uh, I just joined like five minutes ago, put the back end of it. Okay, brilliant. Hey, Wakey, how you doing? Okay, and you, let me just turn on my thing. What's going on with you? Jeez, man, I'm talking to my computer a lot these days. Really? Yeah. You're, you're more than welcome to join if you want to. Uh, I can send you the links and if Balakha uh, yeah. is here. Yeah, send it to me. I mean, it's a bit early, eh? But, what, uh, what's 8 o'clock in the... What's, what's your time now? Well, now it's 7 o'clock. Ah, oh, so 8 o'clock, 6. Yeah, that's early. But, um, and I like I work till 11 o'clock tonight. So, you know, we'll see. Got to get rid of this beard. Eh? <laughs> Just like, you know, we're both a little bit uh, worse for wear here, eh? <laughs> I know. Eh? So see, what's so... going on over there? Is it settled down in Australia or...? Yeah, we we very good bench though. Yeah, it's really uh, it's really mild relative to most other places in the world. So there's a bit of a, a machlokas going on whether we should. Uh, the government's already opened with uh, restrictions, I guess, similar to your restrictions. You know, you have you can have ten people in shul, social distancing, you know, all that uh, kind of yeah. stuff. And uh, you know, some people are machmir; they want to wait another two weeks, and other people are makil. They want to get going already. Australia is not so bad. So what are you going to do? You're going to open your show soon? Yeah, personally, I think we're okay. So, so uh, you know, we've got a, you can only have 10. You can actually have 10 plus, uh, plus the Rav, plus an assistant rabbi, plus a chazan. You can stretch it to 13 or something like that. Really? Yeah. Where's your son? He's gone. He hasn't gone back to America, obviously. No. Enough arts, the borders aren't open. I mean, there's probably Shiva's clothes, so it must be terrible for him. Yeah, he's having a rough time. He, he actually he's got to get up, but he's got to start learning because they're doing it on Zoom. He learns there from 12 to 3 in the morning, it's our morning. Serious, wow. Uh, wow. And your other kids, any of them are there by you or not? Yeah, everyone's yeah, except I get it. So we got, um, we got five out of six, yeah? And I hear that's in Israel. Wow. I hear. 
So uh, yeah, that's the story. You know, you must you must hear the news. But I I got a, a WhatsApp a while back to say to him for Ellie Ellie's Elliga. Yeah, yeah, he's been very sick. Where so where's it up? He's better now. Oh really? Eh? Yeah, yeah. I think he's better now. I mean, he was almost gone. That's Literally. scary stuff, eh? Yeah, his brother also, older brother Danny. But I think I haven't heard anything the last. I still davened for him, but uh, I think he's doing better. Terrible, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Been unbelievable in New York. People just dropping like flies. So you've just been? Have you been locked down all this time? Yeah, I mean, I go to the shop once a week, and that's it. I mean, I was sick for a month. Really? Not from this? Yeah. Well, I don't know for sure. I mean, I wasn't tested. I, I didn't have the symptoms for a month, but I was weak for a month. Jeez. Yeah, so I was kind of out of it for a month. And <coughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. A lot of people are going out, but... If you've been sick, you don't want to take a chance, let me tell you. Yeah, no, for sure. It's not pleasant. I was, like, very weak for a month. I couldn't do anything. Jeez, eh? Yeah. And did, did, you, did, you, did you have your, your daughter over for Pesach or what? No, she wouldn't let her come. And it was a whole fight to get her back. And, and now, yesterday was my son's official bar mitzvah, you know, 